a late night edition of Locked On Phoenix Suns, recapping the Suns' 105-98 victory over the Dallas Mavericks to push their win streak to 10 games. We'll get into all of the thrills from a wonderful night at the Footprint Center coming up on Locked On Suns. Network, your team every day. are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. We're free. We're on YouTube. We're on every audio platform that you could possibly imagine, so you can find us anywhere that you listen or watch podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns and me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. We are here to recap the Suns' 105-98 win, 10 straight, coming back home and keeping the streak alive. We'll get into what this tells us about the team overall. I actually do have a big takeaway from this one. We'll get into more of the positives, spend a little bit of time on Devin Booker, and then I'm going to unveil actually a new recap segment here tonight. Um, Drum roll, whatever your... uh, preferred fanfare is. I have another one. I thought of it on the walk back to the car, so I'm excited to share it with you guys. First of all, I wanted to let you know that today's episode of Locked on Suns is brought to you by McDonald's, which has been proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. McDonald's, I'm loving it. Okay, we'll get into the big takeaway here. Very, very strange game, but a very fun game, honestly. Um, strange in that no Luka Doncic. Kristaps Porzingis looked better than I expected. He's on his way somehow to, you know, almost a triple-double. Suns can't hit shots. Chris Paul hardly does anything until the last few minutes of the game. So, a little bit strange. Devin Booker, who we will talk about in the next segment, was the only real consistent highlight for the Suns. And then DeAndre Ayton filling in the gaps a little bit on his own, but the thing that I really came away from this win thinking about more so than anything else is that it showed the importance of somebody besides Booker and Paul stepping up. Um, What I mean by that is I believe that Chris Paul did not make a field goal until the fourth quarter and he made two then. He made two free throws and two field goals in the fourth quarter Booker was pretty consistently excellent, although most of his damage, in all honesty, came in the first quarter, which is something we see from him from time to time where he just explodes out of the gates and then, I wouldn't say peters out, but doesn't obviously, you know, if he scores 15 in the first quarter, he's not scoring 60 for the game and, and doing 15 for the other three quarters. It can it can be a little bit of a decrescendo downward, and that's sort of what happened in this one. So, Throughout, I mean, you did have Landry Shamit had a little bit of a moment. You had Jay Crowder making at least his threes for the rest, for the most part in this game. Mikhail Bridges stepped up late. And then, of course, like I said, DeAndre Ayton. But imagine what this game looks like if on a downscoring night for Paul where his shots aren't going in, he didn't really seem like he wanted to shoot early. There were a few times where he was open and he shot it and he missed them. Um, Booker, you know, having that big first quarter, but not much else until the final moments. Imagine if 
throughout all of that, you had a Mikhail Bridges or a DeAndre Ayton who could not just make shots to finish plays, but actually create offense. We've been talking about it for years, literally now. And this game was one where I was really thinking about it a lot. And, and it really kind of hit home how big that could be. Because you go through and Aiton in the first quarter, the post-ups were so bad that even Mark Jackson, who is hesitant to ever criticize players, was calling it a win for Dallas that the Suns were running so much offense through the post for Aiton. He uh, did not really get to the free throw line despite getting several opportunities down low. He missed some shots. He passed up looks. The second quarter, he did start to get it going a bit, but really, for the most part, aside from a few nice post-ups in the second quarter, the big part that his offense played in this whole game was just being on the offensive glass, and he got three putbacks. That accounted for six of his 19 points. You add the free throw in there, that's seven. So you're looking at really 12 points in the rest of his offensive arsenal that did not come from those two avenues. 12 points is not a lot. 12 points is not something that you're really calling a you know reliable and, and impactful performance. And then, of course, Mikhail Bridges deserves even more criticism because he is not only in this game just wasn't much of a factor until he made a couple of threes late in the game, but overall on the season has, has down-ticked a little bit. His usage was up around 19% for a while. It's down, down around 15%, so he's not getting quite as involved. He was often the second most field goal attempts in these games. That did not happen in this one. It hasn't been happening lately, so that's sort of where I was really thinking um, in this game was, you know, it's probably not, it's unrealistic to expect that it's going to be Landry Shamit or Cam Johnson. It's, it's most likely that it's going to be these starting players and it could not, it cannot happen soon enough because uh, the, this, this game would have been easily in the bag. You have that big first quarter from Booker. You're up three after the first quarter. Imagine if in that second unit or, some sort of secondary player was able to really make a difference. Things would have looked a lot different, and the Suns would have been able to take care of business more easily against a depleted Mavericks team that was not only missing Luka Doncic, but also Maxi Kleba. This is a team that, you know, has depth and, and obviously has that cohesion. This group has been together for quite a long time, but not somebody that this NBA champion caliber Suns team really would have had much of an issue with if they had had that sort of armada of offensive creation that they just still have not been able to tap into. But that is far too negative of a note to start things out on. I want to get to the positives as quickly as I humanly can. I want to talk more about Devin Booker. So we'll do that in just one second. First though, quick word from betonline.ag. Back and better than ever to take you through the rest of 2021 and beyond with a new web interface over at their website as well as more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all of your favorite basketball and football team action all season long. So head to that new updated website or their mobile app, make an account, and when you do, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. For basketball and football, to the NHL, boxing, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Yes. Maybe you can play a little bit of craps over at betonline.ag. Get your money that way. 
Take advantage of all the amazing offers throughout 2021 and beyond. Bet online remains the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Devin Booker, the one shining light throughout this win by the Suns. 24 points, 9 rebounds, no assists, strangely enough, but Chris Paul more than helped out in that department, so Booker did not have to do so. Only one turnover. The Suns as a team, only 7 turnovers, so Booker really the engine tonight, and I want to get into the positives, all the special things that he did, and uh, break down his performance a little bit. I did want to remind you guys, we are on YouTube. Subscribe if you have not already. That's the best way to support the show right now, in addition to obviously checking out our sponsors, but we are trying to grow this YouTube channel. I appreciate all of your support so far. Those of you who are watching, if you're finding us today, subscribe. If you've not subscribed, but you occasionally check in, go hit that subscribe button and uh, let's get to Booker. Um, Again, 24-9, he was really the perfect sort of scoring punch that this team I think, needs. Because we know that second unit, especially because Paul has often played with the second unit, but even if it's just pain, the the second unit, the bench, is going to get its scoring from finishing around the rim with JaVale McGee and even Cameron Payne, and then three-point shooting with Johnson, Payne, and Shamit lighting it up from downtown. That's how the offense is going to score. I think in the regular season, and even, honestly, in most playoff matchups, That recipe is going to be just fine. You need to buy yourself some time. The bench was a much bigger positive so far in this game than it has been. Johnson especially was a plus 10. Landry Shamit a plus 5. So very good stuff there. Those guys can bridge the gap. Booker being able to light it up at the beginning of the game and to close things down at the end is sort of what you want out of him. That's been a recipe for success even throughout the postseason last year for the Suns. And... uh, throughout his career, really. So that is really promising. He's continuing to be a little bit of a more consistent three-point shooter through the rest, through the early part of this season. Let's hope that continues through the rest. But uh, more so than anything else, I guess what I wanted to highlight was the way in which his offense came. So early on, it was the usual. I mean, it's, you know, a couple maybe transition looks, the mid-range, he's posting up Jalen Brunson, he's, you know, didn't really get to the free throw line tonight, but doing the Devin Booker stuff that we are used to. What he did late in the game was most interesting to me, and if we're talking about positives, which is what we do here in the second segment of these post-game podcasts, What really stood out is that he was able to kind of take what the defense gave and honestly also give the Suns a little bit of a jolt for what they needed because part of the point that I was making in that first segment about diversifying the offense is not only because of the players, uh, the, the, the diversity of different options on the offense, but it is also where these shots are coming from and the Suns at their worst offensively. And they can even still win games this way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it is a a big screw up, but they, at their worst and most predictable, are a very heavy jump shooting team. I mean, that's just who they are. That's kind of who they are at their best also. But that was really what they got stuck in during the second and third quarters when Dallas outscored them 51 to 43, was mid-range and three-point heavy, not having the guys to go in there and get you either layups or free throw attempts. The Suns only attempted 
14 free throws. We know that about this team. Aiton is still not the type of player to consistently just get you easy baskets inside. So what Booker did is he went ahead and took that upon himself. And the highlight play, well, there were two. The first one was he kind of got stuck in no man's land a little bit. Chris Haps Porzingis, I believe, was switched onto him or had rotated over, whichever whichever way it ended up. But the point is, Booker, with Porzingis between him and the basket, put together the most crafty layup that I might have ever seen him do. And that is a pretty high bar for Devin Booker. Um, completely took everybody by surprise. It's like kind of a squirming, slithering, off-the-glass layup from way too far away for it to have actually gone in. And somehow it did. Somehow he pulls magic, a rabbit out of the hat again. And um, all of that was beautiful, but it was also an opportunity for him to just probe inside. He made two or three nice layups to close this game out, just getting to the basket. The the Mavs look, I mean, especially when they were playing Porzingis at the five, they're not going to have very great rim protection. And so they were exposed there a little bit too. We know the Suns can space the floor. So they have some opportunities to drive on them and and Booker took advantage of those. Then to, to actually close the game, capital C close the game, uh, Booker, with time sort of expiring on the shot clock, about a minute or so to go in the game, takes a preposterously long three. The score, I think the Suns were already up two, two, three, four points. Booker hits that shot, puts the thing completely out of reach for Dallas. There's almost no point in playing the rest of it. It was that type of dagger, just ice cold. I mean... I'll make my point to close on sort of the diversifying of the offense and the way that Booker helped out with that, which is that pull-up three, to add that to your arsenal as something that you can feel comfortable taking and making is one thing, but to also just have it be something the defense has to respect. We saw how important that was in the Lakers series and at different moments in the Bucks series and the finals, so that is so valuable and I hope he continues to take those and these types of highlight moments are going to stick in teams memories and be on scouting reports and that only opens things up because we know he can dribble and probe inside and if teams are trying to play up on him that's just going to be open for him even more and he can do more of those high- so it's just the div- it's just the opening up the the threat at every level and Booker's obviously the guy on this roster to do that without him sort of doing it at every level this team does not win this game so obviously a big tip of the hat to Devin Booker but what I wanted to also just say um, because he did have so many special moments to close things out tonight is man have we gotten to see a lot of dazzling highlights on this home court on the footprint center previously talking sick resort arena just just buzzer beater after game winner after huge scoring night after you know memory after memory that is uh what booker has already done he is not anywhere near done and i was just watching him you know do it in this in this arena in this city again and just feeling spoiled frankly and i i don't know maybe Maybe that's just a little bit uh, romantic of me um, in, a, in a random regular season game, but he is special. He is getting this reputation for it too, where on a nationally televised game like this, you just see Twitter and Instagram and all over the internet is just highlights of Devin Booker, and he is finally getting that exposure on top of it. People know that this is what he does. They're not surprised by it anymore or trying to poke holes in 
his resume and his skill set. And man, it was just cool to see the, the the Porzingis, the layup, and then that that three back to back. Really, I mean, the two biggest closing plays of the game from a scoring perspective. There were some threes in there from Bridges and Cam Johnson and everybody else, but. Uh, very awesome, very cool to do it at home again, um, to do it against this Dallas team who he always tends to have a special moment against. So it was all very, very good stuff. So he deserved getting an entire segment to himself tonight. I have no regrets about doing that, but I do have a couple more things to talk about, including unveiling the new recap show segment that I want to bust out for you guys. So we'll do that right after this. Closing out the show, thanks for making Locked on Suns your first listen every single morning. A few more things to hit. We have our usual recap segments here. I will hit a little bit of the bench mob vibe check. Um, I'm holding out on doing a JaVale McGee segment, although his wacky play is endlessly fascinating for me. And I also think there might be a discussion to be had eventually about do we see a JaVale McGee closing a game like we saw with Dario Saric last year over DeAndre Ayton. But I'm not ready to have that conversation. That's not the one that I'm doing because I don't want to keep piling up on uh, micro-analyzing the 15 minutes that bench players play. We already have the bench. We already have the Cam Johnson uh, breakout watch, so I won't add another bench player to the mix. What I will do here is bring back Mikael Bridges because I can't stop talking about him. I end up talking about him anyway a lot of the time in these shows, so I might as well give myself an excuse to do so. So, long story short, new recap segment, new post-game podcast segment, and that is the Mikael Bridges Confidence Index. Um, And I don't want to spoil things yet. I have a piece coming on him and this sort of general topic, which is part of why it's on my mind. I am going to be writing about the Suns again for this piece. Obviously, it's written. I'm not going to be talking. I'm going to be typing. And you can look out for that soon. Um, That'll be all that I say. But the confidence index here is going to be a place where we can talk about where he is in this trajectory of potentially to put a loop on this episode becoming more of that consistent option. And so... What I wanted to highlight, and I think I've talked about this previously too, is the way in which Bridges is is able to kind of um, heat up in an instant, which is a very unique skill, a very valuable skill in the NBA, something not a lot of guys can do. And in this game, I believe going into the fourth quarter, he was 0 for like 6 from the field or something like that. He was definitely 0 of 5 from deep, 0 of 4 from deep. He, he had not made a shot. You look at the final box score, obviously 4 of 11, 2 of 6 from deep. So he did some damage. I believe all of his points came in that fourth quarter. And that is huge. And in its own way, that's sort of it's a a way of, you know, injecting confidence and developing as a a go-to type of player. You'd like it to be more consistent. You'd like it to be every moment of the game, not just, you know, when they really need it or, um, you know, only as a finisher, but still. In its own way, that's that's incredibly valuable. I mean, I don't think that there's necessarily a player who you would have pointed to in on last year's team and said, if they need to hit a big shot, it's going to be him. Not, you know, uh, an isolation, end of game type of thing, but just, you know, the ball pings around and it hits somebody. Who's the guy you want taking that shot that's not Devin Booker or Chris Paul? I mean, there would have been a few options and they all would have been pretty good. But in this case, I think Bridges is starting to solidify himself as the guy 
you want to be open in the corner with the game in the balance. And that's very, very cool. And in this game, he reminded us of that, even though he started poorly. The other part of the confidence aspect for Bridges that's worth mentioning here is he's kind of starting to fill the Tory Craig hole. And I don't mean in terms of size um, or the ability to like play small ball center and things like that. That's sort of invaluable, uh, not invaluable, but um, unique to Craig. He's honestly a one of one physically. There's not a lot of guys like him in the NBA who are that big um, and strong who you can actually throw out there at the five and, and get away with it. Bridges is certainly not that player. Craig is having a great season in Indiana, I guess, sort of proving them right for giving him that big salary. So I don't want to underestimate what Torrey Craig did for this team or even say that the Suns don't need to still target a player in that mold. But in the way that the, the, the way that Bridges is filling that hole is in the energy sort of spark plug department. And you I think every team needs a player like this. I think that has borne out over basketball history, but Bridges is, it's not, the thing about it, and the thing that Craig was so good at, and I think Cameron Payne feels this as well, is it's not just about, um, you know, making the plays. You kind of have to have a swagger and a, and a, a trash talk in you to be that type of guy for your team. Because Bridges has always been a guy who generates steals and, you know, at least last year and this year who could and even the year before who could make big shots right like he is a good shooter and he can make open threes and he had some moments where he made big ones over the early part of his career what he's doing this year is having that kind of kind of developing and feeling comfortable in his shoes enough to have that swagger to use it to kind of talk some trash to get in people's faces to you know criticize the referees in real time and you know ask for calls the other part is he's getting offensive rebounds. He only had one in the box score tonight. That's, I felt like he had a couple. Maybe that speaks to just that energy level again. But those are the ways where he's, you kind of have to own it. You have to go out of your way. Maybe you, you know, overreach a little bit. Maybe you go for that offensive rebound and you miss it and, and the other team scores in transition. Or maybe you get teed up every so often because you're kind of, you know, being a little bit brash. But that needs to be there. And Craig was a really underrated part in that department and I think Payne obviously again is that type of player in his own right but Bridges feeling that void would would help and will go a long way just in terms of pumping the guys up and especially if he's able to then answer that and sort of back that up by being a credible trustworthy go-to type of player late in games as well making shots and making plays and everything else that would be great and tonight was an illustration of that despite only scoring 10 points shooting four of 11 from the field. This, this fourth quarter was sort of what exactly what you want to see from Bridges. So obviously you hope that continues. You hope the winning continues 10 straight here. I don't want to be right. The win streak ending on Sunday night, which I said was, we said was 11 games, but it would actually definitely be um, 12 games. Even if it did end on Sunday, I think the sun should feel confident heading into Friday's game. They just beat this team. Unless Luca comes back they should be able to handle the Mavs again. We won't have a recap show there, but we will, in the meantime, have a crossover show coming right here to this feed with the Locked On Mavs guys talking about these two teams, their 
kind of standing at the top of the West right now. The first game, what to expect for Friday night's game. So be on the lookout there. That will go up Friday morning. Until then, enjoy your Thursday and enjoy this win. Enjoy the streak. And I'll talk to you soon.